This is Free Talk Live, Tuesday edition. We're kicking off hour number one, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site there are completely free, so do enjoy those. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. We start things out with the calls because it's the show about your calls. Let's talk to Tom in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Tom. Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. I wish you all a happy new year. Indeed, Thank sir. You. What's on your mind? Okay, I just wanted to call up and uh, let the people know out there in America that's listening to your great broadcast that uh, Henry Polson has been arrested in Europe. I don't know if anyone's heard of this. or who is, anyone. Who is that? Henry Polson is the tre- U.S. Treasury Secretary. Uh, to quote a news story that came out of uh, Europe, uh, dated Saturday, 30th of December, 2006, at 20.05 hours, U.S. Treasury Secretary Henry M. Polson has been arrested in Europe. Sentencing inflicts extreme disgrace upon the United States generally. U.S. Treasury Secretary seized and brought before ad hoc tribunal in Germany on subpoena handed out by the International Court of Justice, or World Court, on charges of money laundering, non-payment of Ambassador wants $4.5 trillion for misappropriation and or diversion of colossal sums of money. Vice President Dick Cheney, likewise, at the receiving end of a parallel subpoena for similar criminal offenses. German authorities exercised the international subpoena bringing Polson under German jurisdiction, given the that the German banks trying to make the make the want of payment were twice prevented by Mr. Polson from doing so. When this happened the second time, Polson was arrested. Okay, wait, wait can you can you try, translate that? What what was he laundering money for? Uh, well, basically, Ambassador Henry Want or Ambassador Wanta. Uh, was in charge of a trust fund worth $27.9 trillion that Goldman Sachs and uh, the former Secretary of Treasury, John Snow, as well as this Treasury Secretary, have thwarted the payment through foreign banks. Every time the payment was supposed to come forth, the um, United States Treasury and the uh, uh, interfered with the transfer. And um, uh, the, the arrest has been conferred by seven sources, so wait, wait, wait. So who owed? So the United States owed the Germans money, is what you're saying? No, Henry Want, or Ambassador Wanta, uh, was uh, um, authorized back in the Reagan administration to set up funds to prevent the ruble from collapsing. Those funds were earmarked for the people of the United States in the event that they did not succeed. Um, they succeeded in doing what they wanted to do. The funds were still there, and they were going to be returned to the American people with interest, which totaled almost $97 trillion. It's very interesting that on this day, when they're, they're all praising the passing of Henry Ford, or I mean Mr. Ford, President Ford, mm-hmm. that um, the banks are closed, the post office is closed, and never in the history of the United States has there ever been a date when the banks and the post office were both closed, as well as the stock market, uh, to commemorate. That's true. Party. I did hear that uh, they had closed down the stock market today, and I thought, that's a little strange. Yes, so I'm just wanting to get the word out. Uh, like I said, the arrests have been confirmed by seven sources. Key U.S. Treasury uh, officials ordered to Germany subjected what to do you think's gonna? What do you think is going to come of all this? Well, uh, it's already been uh, stated that Congress is going to pass a law uh, or pass an act that is going to do away with the Federal Reserve Bank, and they're going to be removing... What? The, yes. Oh, it's, come it's, on. Really? Okay, this, Come on, where's this coming if from? You have, if you got, if gentlemen, if you have an email address, I'll forward this whole thing to you. This is a chronological list of events. It's about 14 pages long. What? Send it to FTL at freetalklive.com. FTL, wait, wait, FTL? 
at freetalklive.com. Why would they all of a sudden go and uh, and get rid of the Federal Reserve Bank? What does that have to do with all this? Well, the Federal Reserve assets are up for sale right now in Europe for $450 billion. The total debt asset of the Federal Reserve is $1,000 trillion. Okay, so I'm just bringing this to, the, to people's attention. Um, this is something that will not be on the, the major mainstream media. Uh, hmm. they're, they're trying to hide Well, I mean, if they're going to sell the Federal Reserve off or get rid of it, then I think that's going to at least make some major news at some point. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, there's, there's a list here of uh, the chronological list of events since all this happened, the letter to the president from uh, Mr. Cottrell, which is uh, Mr. Wanta's uh, private attorney, and Thomas Henry, um, you know, to, to, to Dick Cheney, to um, all these all these different organizations that they even list the banks that are currently holding the assets of the Wanta Trust, which is about 120 banks, and there's even one here in Newport Beach called Bank of America. Huh. Hmm. So. This is uh, very interesting. So, so this is essentially breaking news. You said he was arrested just a couple days ago? Yes, uh, I believe on the 24th or the 26th. Uh, hold on a second. And this is verifiable. You say this is not just some sort of Internet rumor. This isn't... Uh... This is totally verifiable. Seven different independent sources have verified this story. Yeah. Coming from the U.K., coming from Germany, coming from the own, our own uh, United States Treasury Department. All right. Well, send that on to uh, FTL at freetalklive.com, and uh, we'll definitely take a look at it. And Tom, yeah. Tom thank you for the call. If it's uh, if it's true, it's earth shattering. It sounds pretty outrageous. Sounds pretty interesting. And I hope they never let Mr. Paulson out. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. I hope all of our uh, did politicians. Did you Google his name? Perhaps? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Is he he really is arrested? in fact. Um, I can't tell whether he is arrested or not, but I can tell in fact that he was. Uh, he's the Treasury Secretary. <laughs> Let's go to Justin in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Justin. Oh, hello, guys. It's on your mind. Um, yeah, I'm Justin. Um, I listen through the podcast, mm-hmm. and I'm 15 years old, and I wanted to bring up the different types of anarchy and anarchism. Um, sure. I personally identify myself as a free marketeer uh, and an anarcho-capitalist, but I was questioning uh, uh, anarcho-communism, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if, if you guys know or have any information on it, how would anarcho-communism work? Because it's kind of the idea that no one works for money, but how would this uh, work without uh, government enforcing these laws that would kind of rid the world of money? I I don't honestly know anything about the anarcho-capitalists and what they think. I I don't know. Now, why would there be no money in the world? Well, I mean, it seems like money is a natural phenomenon. Yeah, but their their whole goal is to eliminate money and. Well, it wouldn't, it's not a surprise to me that it's it's the goal of the commies to eliminate money. It seems like their goal is to work against natural phenomena. It seems like the communist system is unnatural in the first place, and so why not? You know, hey, we're unnatural. Let's get rid of all the money. I mean, it's crazy. The communism has never worked, and so that's not going to work either. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, it, uh, Lenin uh, attempted to do away with money in the uh, Soviet Union very early on, and they found that they just couldn't operate without it. Yeah, the, I was just arguing with an uh, anarcho-communist today, and they couldn't explain why money would be eliminated and how it would be eliminated without kind of an overhead authority. Right. I, you know, I can't imagine how. <laughs> I mean, money's going to go away. Wait, if there's no government, then people are going to, you know, there's no authority, then then people are going to... People are going to create their own money. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely... They're going to create private money, they're going to create private script, and... If the there's, communists don't like that, what are they going to do? There's, there's no such thing as an anarcho-communist. Oh well, if you go to Wikipedia, actually, you can. But there is a page for anarcho-communists. I know, so. and it would be unfair of us to go in. You know, they wouldn't let us go in and write "idiot" 
underneath yeah. it. But what they believe in is completely impossible. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't know. If they're talking about doing it for the entire society, then it's impossible. But if they want to get together and have 15 people live on a commune somewhere and get rid of money, then th- they might be they able, might to, be be able to get rid of money, that. but are they going to get rid of government? Are those 15 people going to live in a commune somewhere and not pay taxes to the federal government? Because well, otherwise they're not anarchists. No, we're talking anarchists. about in a state of anarchy. We're talking about uh, yeah, they can I, go and be communists if they want to. In, yeah, their whole idea is kind of to create an anarchy and then create communes. And okay. That's, in, in anarchy, the only way communism is going to work is in an anarchy because people who actually want to be communists will be in the commune. Right. If you want to gotcha. opt in, if you want to join a commune under a, a free market system or an anarchist system, then that's fine. That's your business. But it's certainly not going to have any effect on the rest of us who want to continue living life as we normally do. That is with a common form of exchange known as money. Any other thoughts for us? Uh, yeah, I just had a quick thing on God. Okay. Uh, Mark kind of stakes his belief on God that on the how evolution isn't perfect and that monkeys are stronger than humans, but humans have or humans are intelligent. I, I'd like to argue that with that that anarchy or not anarchy, sorry that evolution isn't finished, and eventually humans may become very strong and very smart. So uh, as evolution isn't finished, we essentially haven't reached like the perfect forms yet. So of course there are going to be problems within. The, uh, bi- the biological hemispheres. So. Well, I, you know, obviously there's, there's um, you know, evolution just takes what works and sort of works with it. What my question is, is how did the monkeys get so strong so quickly and we're somehow related to them? Somehow we must have know. lost have the strength. Ask some theme. evolutionary psychologist or scientist guy. Thanks for the call, Justin. We appreciate yeah. it. To me, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care where we came from. We're here now. is the toll-free number. On the way, sex offenders. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there, completely free. So do enjoy those, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well. Both of them there for free at freetalklive.com. And if you have a child in your life, be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich and order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. You know, Mark, we've been looking throughout the in pretty much the whole break there for this story, this, yeah. these claims about the Treasury Secretary, that Harry Paulson, be being I mean, arrested. It would be a really big deal. And uh, there's no verifiable source. The guy who called in at the top of the hour claimed that there's seven independent sources. He has yet to send the email that he promised to send, and a quick Google search doesn't reveal any sort of news source internationally anywhere uh, that is reporting this. The only source that is uh, reporting it is some crackpot website. There's a couple of web forums that have it in there repeated. Right. Um, well, that's not a... that's. That's nothing. No, no, it's not. I mean, it's just people saying it, apparently. Apparently. It came out as a, it looks like it came out as a news story on uh, December the the 30th, but I can't find what news source reported it. Paulson did go to Germany in December. That much is true. 
But that appears to be the only bit of uh, of truth in this in this whole thing. There's nothing actually uh, verifiable in those claims that that caller made earlier. Just thought it would be uh, worthwhile to throw that out there. Uh, 800-259-9231. But if we do stumble across something, if it does turn out it's true, we'll certainly retract that. Please. Uh, I'd love to see some real verification of this. I want it to be true. some guy calling this show. Let's continue with the calls, though. Let's talk to Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Dave. Hey, lads. Hey there. What's on your mind? Well, first, I wanted to thank you guys for all you did to make the first 1,000 happen. Woohoo! Very good, sir. I uh, I didn't lift a finger uh, on that. I didn't get involved in it at all. It was very cool to see stuff just happen, you know, and and um, I'm sorry I didn't do more, but I'm really glad you guys were able to to uh, make things happen on that. Did you did you even sign it? Oh, yeah, I did sign it. Okay, good. Well, there you go. Then you helped out. Yeah, but you guys, you know, I mean, you were constantly talking about it, making a lot of calls. All right, enough uh, backpatting. What do you have for us here tonight, Dave? Well, uh, I actually wanted to give you an update on a... a Really, it's a year-and-a-half-old case in terms of just our involvement in it, in terms of free stater involvement in it. But there's a prominent Im- eminent domain case in New Hampshire where a gentleman from Londonderry was uh, – the state was trying to seize some of his land. Yeah, uh, It was sort of wetlands you know, they were trying to seize. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they were trying to get his front porch or anything like that. But uh, anyway, he had lost his land. But I have a piece of good news, uh, and that is that the, uh, the guy managed to, to leverage the, the publicity he got out of the thing um, – and the protest that we did on his behalf, he managed to leverage that into a run for state rep, and he won. Oh, well, awesome. that is good. This is a piece of news that a lot of people it, it just didn't—they just weren't paying attention to it. And I, in fact, I didn't even figure out that he had won until a couple weeks ago. I was checking, scanning to see who, who was in there, who made it in, and he made it in. Awesome. How about that? So that's good. So you've got somebody who's anti-eminent domain who's been elected to office in New Hampshire. That's uh, that's supposed good news. Correct. He's a Republican. There weren't that many Republican freshmen elected this year because of the good point anger at George Bush. Um, but uh, he got in. Uh, yeah, I don't know his entire rankings. His, his all his uh, Liberty rankings. He probably doesn't like have that. one yet because he's new, right? I mean, you can't rank somebody on their votes if they haven't ever been in to vote on anything. I, I think the Coalition of New Hampshire Taxpayers gives them a ranking if they respond to a questionnaire. I see. Um, and I don't know if he was endorsed by them or not. I think he was. Um, his name's Al Baldassaro. He's from he's from Londonderry. And, well, very uh, good. Nice well, to have this, you know, uh, part uh, part of a happy ending to that that story. And the, you know, the, the overall ending wasn't happy. You're certainly looking on the bright plan. side, that's for sure, Dave. I mean, he did have his land taken from him by force, and that's certainly unhappy. It is. But and, um, maybe not... in the future we can uh, head that off at the pass, and we can uh, prevent that from ever happening again. That's true. Very good, Dave. Anything else on your mind? Uh, not much I can think of. Thanks, Thanks as sir. always. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Skuma in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Skuma. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, do you, like, do you remember if I called back on? Uh, you called before on uh, just sometime in mid December about how I was gonna go like get searched at school. Oh, that was you. Okay, I couldn't remember which one of our younger callers it was. And no, you didn't call back on that. What uh, What ended up happening? You said there was one day. I guess it was like a Friday that you'd gotten wind that the school people were going to be searching every student coming into the uh, into the school that day. Yeah, it turns out they didn't. <laughs> oh, well. Well, that was easy then. Yeah, I was like all worried because I had like my guitar and I didn't want to get hassled, but nothing happened. Oh, well. It was a, it was a, uh, they were, they were BSing you, just trying to scare you, I guess. So what or else, they were just Or they were just white government and just forgot. Maybe so. What else is on your mind, Skuma? Well, I I got my uh, first paycheck ever this over the winter break. Oh, first job? Yeah. 
Congratulations. What are you doing? Uh, bagging groceries. But hey. what angered me the most was be taxes. Yeah. Mm. It's, it doesn't California feel real good. taxes. It doesn't feel real good when they take that money from you for not doing. I mean, they didn't. What did they do to earn it? Nothing. Nothing. They just took it. Thirty dollars. Out of how Almost. many? Uh, hundred and eighty-one. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty significant chunk. That's man. a good chunk. That's what is that? Fifteen percent? Something like that. So in that case, uh, so it's your very first job. You're bagging groceries. What do you like the most about it? Uh, the money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason we all go to work, That's my friend. That's pretty good, though, that you can say, uh, you know, that you're making good money at bagging groceries these days. It's not too shabby. And good luck, uh-huh. with, uh, good luck with the career, and uh, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Stick Let's with it. You know, most important thing is to show up on time every single day, every well, single time you're scheduled. I agree. Let's talk to Nigel in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Nigel. Hi. Hey. Um... I think, Mark, you have a couple misconceptions about evolution that I'm going to do my best to clear up. Oh, and I'm not going to listen. Go ahead. No, 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 I don't. Okay. I think a lot of people believe that evolution means that every new generation is better by some arbitrary... No, I do not believe that at all. I believe believe that um, evolution means that what works, what lives, is what gets to breed. And here's what my point is, is... That um, monkeys and humans are supposed to have some common ancestor, okay? Yes. That common ancestor must have had the ability to be rather strong, because monkeys are very, very strong, right? Um, chimpanzees can lift a uh, Volkswagen over their head. Gorillas can uh, bench press three thousand pounds. I mean, we're talking about a very. Well, neither of those are actually monkeys or apes, but okay. Fine. So they don't have a tail. Big deal. Um, and the the point that I'm um, making here is is that if I'm strong and smart like me, and Ian's smart and weak like he is, then um, you know I'm and I'm willing and we're willing to kill each other in order to breed, then I am going to get the girl before Ian, not uh, six times out of four. So Ian is going to disappear. We also have to understand that humans evolved supposedly evolved in different climates than chimpanzees and gorillas now live. No, no, they all they they um, pretty much. Uh, all no, right there in Africa, right? And gorillas live well. Yes, but Africa is a very diverse. It is a very diverse place, but I'm talking about right where jungles. they are. Okay, well, chimpanzees and gorillas live in jungles, whereas humans are supposed to Forests. evolved in savannas, which are vastly different environments. If you got more, Nigel, hang on. I'll let you guys duke it out because. I don't care. I'm just going to sit back here and enjoy the fight. More is on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the Tuesday edition, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there. They are completely free, and that does include the listener map. We've got over 1,700 of our listeners from around the world that have added themselves to it, and you can too. Or just scroll around the world and see who else is a listener of Free Talk Live. Head over to map.freetalklive.com to do that. That's map. Dot freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it taxes? 
Well, register now for the February of 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers include Christopher Gronsky, the New Hampshire coordinator for the We the People Congress, and a taxpayer activism panel. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As I believe we go back to Nigel in Texas. Nigel, uh, you're back on with Mark here. You guys were talking evolution. As I understand it, um, Mark's objection to the whole evolution concept, and I think it's a neat idea personally, the evolution thing, um, but Mark's objection is, well, doesn't Ian's existence disprove evolution? <laughs> That's pretty much it. He dropped. Oh, he's gone. I'm sorry. I missed it when he when he said that. Okay, so Nigel's gone. In that case, uh, I, I don't know, Mark. Essentially, you're saying that because skinny people exist, skinny and weak people exist, that means that there cannot be evolution. No, um, you're you're making another mistake that our listeners often make uh, regarding um, you know the, the the those who have the, who worship in the uh, Church of Evolution make is that somehow I think that um, you know muscle mass equates to strength. And I don't. Mm. I know that muscle connections equate to strength. And you can have, look at the arms of chimpanzees. They don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. But they can lift a the old VW bug, not the new one, yeah. over their heads, according to Jane Woodall. I mean, I've never seen one do it, but that's mm. what she says they can do. I have seen one in a cage with bent bars. I can't remember. It seems like those bars were about an inch and a half of mm-hmm. just raw steel, each of them bent. But... uh I, you know, no, I'm sorry. I don't go for that crap. All right. Well, anyway, like I said before, I don't really care which nope. way uh, how the universe came about. doesn't matter to me. Let's go to something completely different. It's Jim Babka from DownsizeDC.org. <laughs> Hello, Jim. Hello, guys. Hey, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. It must be a positive start for 2007 and uh, DownsizeDC.org, at least I'm hoping. Um, of course, we love having you on the show to, to give us updates about what's going on with uh, one of my favorite liberty-oriented organizations, and that is DownsizeDC.org. So, Happy New Year, Jim, and uh, what's the latest? Well, we're about to have a 100-hour legislative orgy. Oh, boy. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Speaker Nancy Pelosi plans to pass seven to eight major pieces of legislation in the first 100 hours of the new Congress. Huh. And as best we can figure, this will amount to between three and 400 pages worth of dense legalese. Mm. That's not good. That can't be good for freedom. How can anyone read that? Exactly. I don't think they can read it and understand it, debate it. Uh, they're going to do this rather quickly. Um, they're basically going to show, uh, after 12 years of being off the job, they're going to catch up as fast as they can in demonstrating that they are as uh, cavalier with uh, – the Constitution and with our system of government, as the Republicans were. But the, oh, the, I see the Democrats were off the job. So I, I would, I didn't feel like Congress has been off the job. I felt like they've been uh, passing all kinds of anti-freedom, oh, they have. expensive, re, re, um, you know, regulations and rules over the last twelve years. Yeah, but it was the wrong guys doing it in the wrong way. Yeah, right. Right. it was. The, so we have to, we have to, we have twelve years to make up for, and they're going to attempt to do it basically here. In right. January. We've been getting way too many fascist-leaning laws, Mark. Now we've got to have some more socialist-leaning laws mm. passed. So with that in mind, Jim, what's the plan to uh, to put a stop to it? Well, you know, the one we're most concerned about is the very first one they're going to vote on. They're going to label this, we're told now, H.R. 1. We still haven't seen the bill because the new Congress isn't open yet, uh, but we have a good idea what's in the bill based on what uh, on Nancy Pelosi's past track record uh, as an attempt to uh, silence their critics, particularly organizations like DownsizeDC.org. Mm. Uh, they're going to require regulations, impose regulations upon us that we've never had to deal with before. <clears throat> Can you give us an example of what uh, what you're talking about when you say regulations that you'll have to deal with? 
Well, they're going to begin requiring us to report as if we are lobbyists. They're going to be, we have to begin treating all of our efforts as if we're one of these AstroTurf organizations that Tom DeLay or uh, Jack Abramoff set up. And so they're coming in to solve that problem, uh, a problem they created, by the way. And uh, they're going to now try to impose upon grassroots organizations regulations and, and so forth that won't be imposed in the same way or the same manner on, on unions, major corporations, and membership organizations. They're mm. just going to go after grassroots lobbying groups, the smaller groups like us that are real pesky, and uh, starting to ask them to do things like pass Read the Bills Act. So you guys are basically getting too effective. They're, you're bugging them a little bit too often, and now they want to wipe you off the face of the map. Right. Every one of us is going to die. They and us will have to, any, for any public outreach that we do, is going to have to begin to file a report every quarter. And uh, the report is, is set at a very low threshold. If we spend over $2,500 on lobbying activities, as defined by this law, uh, we will be uh, into the reporting requirement. Now, you think of all the little startup groups. I mean, it doesn't take long to get to $2,500. No, it sure doesn't. There will be groups that never get started. There will be groups that close as a result of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and as far as they're concerned, that's quite all right, because then they will be hearing from fewer people, and I think that's really the way they want it. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, the, the worst thing about this is it's not the groups being closed down, because, eh, you know, who cares about a group? But it's the American people that, um, you know, are being represented by these groups. I don't feel like I have a voice in Washington except for DownsizedDC.org. And, and I'm with you on that, and I think there are a lot of other people with you on that. And not just for DownsizedDC.org. There's other organizations out there that are also, you know... I don't know anything uh, about them, but... I mean, well, no, but I mean, they're carrying a torch. And if, if, you're, if, you're, if you believe in democracy, as these guys are constantly paying lip service to, if you believe in representative government, uh, then all of these regulations are designed to do the exact opposite of what you profess to believe. They're designed to suppress, they're designed to chill, they're designed to mm -hmm. stifle uh, any kind of uh, activity that's done from the grassroots. This is supposed to be what America's all about. So essentially, so, if you don't fill out this paperwork, there's going to be there's these certain reporting requirements. When you cross that twenty five hundred dollar threshold, you're then in. I, th I think I've seen something else uh, about if you have over five hundred people on your email list or five hundred members in your organization that you also qualify for more paperwork. If if you don't uh, if you don't fill out this paperwork, what's going to happen to you, Jim Babka? Well, they're going to fine you. There'll be penalties. I mean, this is, we're going to be, as far as I, the way I understand it right now, we're going to have to be doing these additional filings with the IRS. And one of the filings that kind of really kind of surprises me, kind of gets me, it's so blatant, and yet they're going to get away with this, is that we also, once we're in the filing mode, have to report on those reports what we're going to do in the next quarter. We have to give a good faith estimate. I love the specificity of that. A good faith estimate of what we plan to do during the next quarter. In other words, we have to imagine it's like sitting down to play a game of poker and having to show all the rest of the table your cards before you start. When you say what you're going to have to or what you're going to do in the next quarter, are they talking about just from a financial standpoint or from an activism standpoint as well? Well, that's another great question because it's not just us that's going to be coming under the regulation here, but also our vendors for the very first time. And all of this expense is going to be borne by DownsizedDC.org. It's all brand new expense that will not go a dime of it to changing Congress's mind or to getting the word out to the general public. <clears throat> it's going to go to lawyers, accountants, consultants, and so forth, uh, who are going to help us get these forms filled out. And our vendors are going to have to do it as well. So if a vendor helps us, for example, put together an ad, an, an ad for radio or for television, mm -hmm. uh, they're also going to have to file a report stating how the ad was done. If we have an ad, someone do, doing the ad buying Goodness. for us, 
they're going to have to uh, file a report explaining what, where they bought the ads and how much they spent in each location. Who's going so to want to do that? Nobody's going to want to do that. It's stuff. going to make it impossible to be effective. They're, it's going to, oh, it's no, going to gonna, create a, a threshold for effectiveness, and you just won't be able to be effective beyond that point without being a full-fledged lobbying group. Exactly. Exactly. And, and there will be people, Ian, that are going to be willing to do this because the, the organizations that are going to be paying for the service will pay for it. Right. I mean, DownsizeDC.org is going to have to reach into its pocket to pay for this additional regulatory burden. And I anticipate that we're probably talking right now, even at our small size, five figures a year to meet, meet these uh, obligations. Wow. I mean, you guys, it's not, it's not easy to raise money. I've seen you uh, put out on the Downsize DC Dispatch the list that you'll get signed up for when you go and, and sign up at DownsizeDC.org, and it's definitely worth being on. There's all kinds of interesting stuff that comes out over it. But there's from time to time, you, you pretty much have to beg for cash. Yeah. And uh, this is not going to make your job any easier. In fact, it's going to make it much more difficult. And, Jim, if you'll hang on, we're going to bring you back for more. 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for Jim Babka at DownsizeDC.org, there may be a chance to head this off at the pass, and we'll find out how that can be done on the way. Because this isn't good. This is an organization that's out there fighting for liberty, and now the government wants to put up more hoops for them to jump through. Your show, you take control. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Your show, you take control of the airwaves. Toll free number 800-259-9231. And anything goes, as always, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. That is the packet 8 toll free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. It's a new month. And that means that the voting totals have reset over at PodcastAlley.com. Now, Podcast Alley is one of the most popular podcasting websites. And as you may know, Free Talk Live not only is a radio show, but we also put ourselves online after the show's over as a podcast format. And as a result of promoting said podcast, we've become fairly popular in the podcast mm-hmm. world. And Part of the reason why is because every month we ask you to go and vote for the show. It doesn't matter if you're a podcast listener or not. If you like Free Talk Live and you listen to Free Talk Live, period, whether it's on the radio or podcast or direct download, we need you to go to vote.freetalklive.com and cast your vote for the show. Because when you vote for Free Talk Live at vote.freetalklive.com, it increases our total, helps keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world, and as a result, more new people come across the show. There's a lot of people that have found Free Talk Live because we're on that top ten list. And usually we're fairly high up. In fact, I believe... Uh, what we're number two right now? We're number two. Um, number we're two. behind those that darn Potter kid. Um, you know, as usual, we uh, we just need I don't know, like fifty more votes or something like that. And well, we we're would... going to need about two thousand votes this month because yeah. the Potter guys got nineteen hundred and we only got eleven hundred last month. Yeah. So we really need to step it up. Um, go ahead and go to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you less than a minute. All you need is an email address. Very simple process. I think Jim Babka even votes for us. Jim, don't you? Oh yes. Fantastic. Every month. In fact, you do. Uh, we really appreciate it. Every month, Jim sends out notice to the downs- uh, the DC downsizers and asks them to vote for us as well. Um, considering you know we're all one big happy pro liberty family here, and uh, you know it it really makes a difference. More people are discovering freedom because of your votes. Anyway, with that in mind, Jim, uh, we're talking about a threat to downsizedc.org. A threat. To yeah. The- if I can, can I can I throw something in? I, I please. We have. It's really hard for us to describe, and it would even be just hard to describe right now. The advantage that this is going to confer to the, to the union groups, the, the major corporations, the astroturf lobbyists that are allegedly getting regulated here. What does that really mean, astroturf lobbyists? 
Well, astroturf organizations were organizations set up by a rich benefactor. They're part of the they're they're part of the uh, residue we get from uh, the McCain-Feingold law. Uh, they regulated that certain kinds of money couldn't be spent, so new avenues have to be opened up all the time. And this is one of the new avenues that was opened up. Uh, you set up a PAC, you get an office, or you set up a, a group, and you're able to begin routing all of your contributions to that group, and that group then starts making payoffs to various different individuals to write op-eds or to run ads or do all this stuff. And it, but it's all basically being funded by one entity. Mm. Jack Abramoff used uh, Indian casinos, for example, and had them funnel money through through a couple of different AstroTurf organizations. <clears throat> And that's allegedly what they're going after here, but that's not really what's going to end up being regulated. As long as these organizations have members that they're communicating with, uh, they don't have to pay any of the expense or, or I'm sorry, pay any of the filing uh, fees and, and deal with all of these issues if they're just communicating with their members. They only have to pay for outside advertising. Those are the things that they have to report on their forms. So uh, it's, it's very difficult to kind of you know get this so everybody can really see it. And tomorrow we're planning on, we're working on it right now, our downsizer dispatch will give a breakdown, a, a real-life scenario of two groups and show how this, the, the major corporations could spend all kinds of money and get all kinds of influence on Capitol Hill without having to report a dime, but a little organization like DC.org could spend a very small amount of money and have an onerous burden of reporting, and we'll demonstrate how that works in the downsizer dispatch hopefully now, tomorrow. Okay, Jim, how do people who are interested in this who are not yet – DC downsizers get on the dispatch list. What's the process? The best way is to send a message to Congress. We do have a simple subscription link on there. If they want to just test us and find out what's on the list, they can go to the downsizedc.org page and sign up for the email list right there on the homepage. But if they're and there's and as you guys can attest, there's lots of good information that we put out every week. Mm-hmm. But if they want to, if they want to actually get involved, and this is the way we recommend doing it, go to downsizedc.org. Pick a campaign that's there. Right now, the campaign we're referring to is right at the very top of the page. Click on that one, and uh, you can send a message to Congress very simply. You just give your contact information. The system tells you who your representative and two senators are, and it allows you to send a personalized message that includes your contact information. And the way that we submit this information to to, uh, congressional websites, it doesn't necessarily – most of the time it's not email. The way we submit this information combined with your contact information on the letter itself – demonstrates that office that they're actually hearing from a constituent. Mm-hmm. The number of Internet communications has soared over the last several years. It's much more popular than letter writing, and these messages are counted and read by the congressional offices and reported to the boss nearly every morning. And you're joining, when you do this, with thousands of other people. That's downsizedc.org. And that's one of the reasons why they, uh, they hate organization, uh, organizations like you, because you are effective. You are making it easy for people to contact their representatives, because normally it can be a bit of a process to get in touch with a representative, but you guys make it a, a, essentially a one-step situation. You go, you get registered for the first time, and from then on out, anytime you want to take, active, uh, take action with downsizedc.org, it's just a matter of logging in, and clicking one or two buttons, and you're done. You know, it's so and, easy. And this is, um, people may be out there right now thinking to themselves, ah, I never contact my congressperson. They don't listen anyway. But, you know, there's going to come a time when you do want to contact them, and laws like this that Downsize DC are, are you know, fighting against, um, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're um, you're, you're going to... Oh man, I lost my my train of thought. That's Laws right. like this. So Mark, Mark, you're exactly right. And and not only that, downsizedc.org, and we've made no secret about this. We've been very open about it. The real reason we're using a mechanism like this is that we're not only trying to direct an army at Congress, we're trying to build an army. This is a wonderful way for us to recruit new people in 
We pick the issue. We pick these issues, give people very quick education about them, so they can be up to speed and send an informed message to Congress, and then a vehicle by which to do it. But it really gives us an opportunity to recruit, and we have been growing steadily as time goes by, and we're going to keep growing. We're going to build an army so large that Congress can't afford to ignore us, and that's what they're scared of. Exactly right. Now, what else is going on? As we've, We focused on this, and it's certainly an important issue, and you're right, it is right there at the top of the page. There's some guy that's uh, got something wrapped around his mouth so he can't speak. Who is that, anyways? That, that's not you, Jim. No, it's not me. <laughs> uh, I like that picture, though. I don't know where he, I don't know where our webmaster got that one. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Right there, downsizedc.org. So what's coming in the future, um, regardless of what happens with Congress on this particular issue? What else is going on uh, down the line for Downsize DC? Well, there's going to be some more campaigns to put up. I mean, this is going to be a very busy time. This new Congress has made clear that uh, not only are they starting off at this 100-hour legislative orgy, as we're calling it, but they have said they are going to show that they are that they work harder than the Republicans. And when Congress works harder, we should all be scared. Yeah, uh, they're going to be in five days a week instead of the traditional three to four. Oh boy! Oh, boy. Uh, they're going to uh, not take any extended breaks uh, until August. And hasn't uh, so, uh, hasn't George Bush also uh, essentially pledged to work with these people? Uh, he's ready to sign the minimum wage legislation, and, and that's gonna... something we're probably going to jump on next week is okay. the minimum wage. And so uh, that's another part of the hundred-hour legislative orgy. But it's going to there's going to be a bunch of this kind of stuff. And this is not a president. He's got one veto in his entire record here. Uh, who's going to be vetoing a whole bunch of stuff? I have a feeling that he's going to go along with it. He he clearly has no problem, gentlemen, with the size of the government. He's willing to expand it mm-hmm. more. It's you know, give them give whatever he wants so long as he can keep his war going. Is apparently the the, the modus operandi here. Pretty much. Now, Mark? what do you, do you um, Jim? Do you remember what he vetoed? Because we were trying to think of it the other day, and, and the we stem can't. Cell bill. What's that? That's right. The stem cell research bill. I see. God knows we'd want to want to veto a little science. And that's another one of the things that's in the 100-hour orgy. The Democrats are going to pass another stem cell research bill. And what, he's not going to veto it? <laughs> you know, I, he may veto that again, too. He may have to for, you know, because of his base. But uh, I, I, I don't think there's anything He else doesn't have to do anything because of the base now, though. I mean, you know, like now he's pretty much doing whatever he wants, right? I mean, all the elections are done until, uh, until he has to get out. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe he cares whether the Republicans win, but I don't see why he does. I don't know if I would. I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. All right. So everybody who has not yet become a D.C. downsizer really should consider going to DC.org, Explore the website. Better yet, click the uh, the very top link there under Don't Let Congress Stifle Its Critics and tell Congress no. Get signed up. Get on the Downsize D.C. Dispatch and, uh, and get active because there's always going to be something new. There's always some new threat to liberty. And, Jim, you just do an awesome job, you and your crew over there. I know it's not just you. There's a number of other people involved. But you guys do a great job of really keeping up with what these thugs in Washington are, uh, are doing. And uh, they're dangerous people, and I'm glad somebody's keeping an eye on them like you guys are. And, and, and I just really appreciate you being out there. Oh, one other thing, Jim. Um, yes. You're going to be appearing at the Liberty Forum mm. in February. I was wondering if you were going to remember that. Yes, and you and I, I believe, are going to be on a panel together. Really? I think so. Oh, boy. I'm going to be on a, about that, but I think so. I'm going to be on a media panel. I don't know if they've announced me on any other panels at this point. I, I think I'm on that same panel, but I'm not positive. Well, either they way. They tell me I'm going to be on a panel, and I believe that you were one of the people that they mentioned. We're going to be in the same, uh, in the same building, and it's going to be interesting because I've never met you before. I'm really looking forward to it. I know a lot of our listeners are probably looking forward to getting a chance to meet with Jim Pabka from DC.org. So if uh, you're going to be at the Liberty Forum, he'll be there as well. And, Jim, thank you, uh, as yeah. always, for coming on the show tonight. We appreciate it. It's a blast. Have Thanks, a great guys. night, sir. Talk to you later. 
800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. We've got two more hours remaining. Hour number two on the way. Coming up, sex offenders. There's a new law in regards to those guys. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and we're picking off hour number two of the Tuesday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. Still got lots to talk about tonight here on the way. Needless medical care for old people, but first, sex offenders. Yes, the laws continue to get more complex and more repressive in regards to sex offenders. And the latest news is out of Michigan. According to the South Bend Tribune, a convicted sex offender's cross into your neighborhood this coming new year, presuming you live in Michigan, could trigger a ping in your inbox as offenders re-register their addresses under Michigan law beginning Monday. And with ankle bracelets becoming a gradual trend for tracking sex offenders during the next two weeks, Michigan has joined a handful of other states that are using global positioning system, GPS technology, for more than the usual job. It's all an electronic push towards buttressing public awareness and enforcement at a time written uh, when laws are constantly changing to handle the increasing number of sex offenders statewide, say officials. Uh, not only is it that, but it's also a time when uh, they're essentially using the sex offenders as guinea pigs for, as the whipping boys, if you will, for this new system that they would like to impose upon more people. I could imagine that uh, if they're successful with ankleting, uh, putting ankle bracelets on the sex offenders, it's only just a matter of degrees away from putting them on you know, robbers and muggers and other people who have committed crimes and have spent time in jail and have been released. Deadbeat dads, um, all kinds of people. You know, but what does successful mean? Because they're going to throw as much money as it takes to make it successful at it. They are going to be successful because they're going to throw enough money at it, you know, to, in order to be a certain level of successful. And if they're not, then they just need to throw more money at it. So this is just another gigantic hole that they've created ah, but to Mark, throw money we're gonna, in. We're going to talk about the money here in a moment because it is actually a factor, not just in the way you think. Let, let's go on. Lieutenant Michael Brown of the Michigan State Police says they're trying to make it more open to the public and they're trying to make it fair to offenders and but, also make it fairly simple to enforce, make it clear as to what people's responsibilities are. Oh, that's really fair. Yeah, that's right. You get out of jail after you've spent however many years in prison for your sex offense, whatever it was, and then it's fair to put an ankle bracelet on that person? It's fair to demand that they register whenever it is that they move to a new location? I don't consider that fair at all. I consider that oppression, yeah. and it's an outrage. You know, um, if, they, if the sex offender has finished their prison time and they don't have any probation, as far as I'm concerned, you can pretty much do whatever you want on probation, uh, the state. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you have... Uh, the state can do what they want to these people on probation because the people have signed a piece of paper saying, I will take your probation. This is after probation. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Right. Um, but once, you know, that's what those people agreed to as a sentence. If they successfully complete their prison time, successfully complete their probation, then to put an ankle bracelet on them is putting like putting an ankle bracelet on you and me. 
It's like uh, look, the, you got some dogs or some cattle or something like that that you want to keep track of. And I mean, that's in America. I mean, that's it, insulting. It, it's always seemed to me that um, you you do a crime and you serve your time for it, and then somehow or another. Um, you're supposed to be able to make, build a life. You're if, supposed to re-enter yeah, society. You're supposed to re-enter society. Start and over. You build a life. But that's not what they're allowing for sex offenders. Sex offenders, are they want them to constantly have this stigma over their head. They want to always have them with some sort of a scarlet letter across their face, essentially, to show everybody what they did in their past. And sometimes, believe it or not, people can change. Yeah, I understand. Sometimes there's recidivism. Sometimes they go back and they do it again. But nonetheless, that's not fair to all of those that want to make themselves better. But to all of those that want to get on a new path in life. Right. I mean, how how is it that you're going to do that if you have to live in a, a leper camp outside of uh, civilization? Well, that's some of the other uh, those are some of the other rules and regulations in other states where it, there's new or actually, I guess it's cities that are creating laws that mandate that the sex offenders can no longer live within a certain number of feet, usually 2,000 or 1,000 feet of any school or park, which essentially, because there are so many schools and parks, well, some places it's bus stops, too. Some, some places it's bus stops. That's crazy. Well, here's more. Any local citizen who registers for email alerts this holiday season will be notified of sex offender registry changes in, uh, the Mich- in Michigan, Brown said. The system was set up December 18th and allows public citizens to sign up online for up to six zip codes, adding some or modifying them over time. Uh, over a total of 95 sex offenders are currently registered in the Niles area, which is where this uh, apparently this newspaper is. And about 13 of those 19, uh, 95 offenders reside in the county, uh, I guess another county. Everyone's pretty much has email nowadays, says the cop. And if a concerned parent, uh, parent is monitoring the neighborhood you live in, I think that's an important tool that people can sign up for. Statewide, officials are also working on a $1.5 million plan to get about 100 parolees who've served prison time for sex offenses against children hooked up to a GPS monitoring system during the next two weeks. The state's goal is to hook up 500 offenders by September 30th, 2007, and 1,000 offenders by September of 2008. Now, when they say that you've got a sex offense against children... They don't really define what that means. That, in my mind, could mean a 19-year-old having sex with a 17-year-old. That's what that could mean. I I would think that it means the same thing. Considering the interpretation of child uh, pornography laws, statutory Mm -hmm. rape laws, that sort of thing, you're looking at tagging with a GPS unit somebody who had sex with someone who is maybe a couple years younger than, uh, than them. And that seems to be pretty offensive. Even more offensive is the idea that they're going to have to pay to be on the system. Offenders will have to pay $5 a day to be part of this GPS tracking system. It's $150 a month. That's over $2,000 a year. That's incredible. That's like $2,800 a year, Mark. Wow. Yeah. That's really something. Right. Now, what happens when you can't pay the bill? They're going to come and arrest you again, aren't they? I would assume that it would um, it would accrue mm-hmm. um, over a period of months, and then your probation. Right, and then you get interest. And then your pro- and you're probably not interest. Then your probation would. Uh, oh, because government would never charge interest for an overdue bill, Mark. I wouldn't think they would in that case. Um, uh, then then they'd uh, at some point they would violate your probation. You go back to prison. The state legislature passed Michigan's version of Jessica's law a few months ago, named after a nine-year-old Florida girl who was kidnapped from her home, sexually abused, and murdered by a registered sex offender in 2005. Michigan's law mandates a 25-year minimum prison term for sex offenses committed against children, as well as lifetime GPS tracking. Lifetime GPS tracking. 
Between well, Monday and January 15th, police will require everyone on the sex offender registry to register again during the annual enforcement period. On January you know, 16th, it, it doesn't bother what do, it doesn't bother me as much that they would um, you know make the the possibility of uh, you know GPS tracking for a lifetime something that's open to the judge at sentencing. Um, that doesn't bother me, but it's all the people who have been sentenced already mm-hmm. before Jessica's law went to, went into effect last year. So all these sex offenders that are in jail, in prison right now. So it doesn't bother you at all. I don't understand why it doesn't bother you, Mark, because um, ignorance of the law is widespread. People don't know what the law is. And if somebody happens to make a mistake and get involved with in some sort of sexual way with yep. somebody who's under the age of 18, they get picked up, and you're, you're going to just uh, look at them and say, well, you should have known better. You should have known better. Now you're going to have a GPS tracking uh, bracelet for the rest of your life. That's I, not fair at all. They should be able to spend time in jail and then get out and go about their lives in, in a normal fashion. I said, that it, I said that it should be open to the judge at sentencing, which means the judge would the have ju- to, in you fact... you know the judge to, will throw the book at these guys because they want to look whoa, like they're whoa, tough whoa, whoa. on... Listen to me. At, listen to me. Every, almost, uh, you know, 90% of these guys that are going to jail have signed a piece of paper basically saying, yes, I'm guilty, I am willing to go to jail for this. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, then... You know, so he, they're saying, I'm going to take whatever it is that they're giving me. So they're just going to see it on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. you know, so the sentencing is going to be there. Um, you know, they're sentenced to life with a GPS on their ankle. Um, life. Wait, of- you don't think they're going to give them the sentence if they don't sign the piece of paper? What do you mean? You're saying that because they sign a piece of paper, it's okay to put a GPS tracking anklet on them? They're going to get that sentence whether or not they sign the paper, Mark. Uh, Look, I said that it should be open to the judge at sentencing. I said I don't have a problem with it if it's open yeah, to the judge. I have a problem with sentences. GPS tracking anybody, anytime. It's an outrageous violation of your freedom to travel and your freedom to uh, to be anonymous. And once you've once you've served your sentence in jail, then that should be it. I, it should be done. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your thoughts? Do you think that it's an okay idea to track somebody for the rest of their life because they might have made a mistake? This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Packet 8, toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system there, over 160,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting. Lots of stuff to talk about there. There's uh, fun stuff, serious issues, all there for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Get registered now, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We're talking about a story out of Michigan about uh, sex offenders and some of the laws that they have to deal with. In fact, they're looking at creating a new program where they're going to be hooking up to 500 sex offenders by the end of September of this year and then 1,000 more by September of 2008 with GPS monitoring systems. In fact, they want these individuals to be hooked up to GPS for the rest 
of their lives. Mm. And Mark, you said that that's okay with you so long as they knew about it in advance, huh? It certainly beats the hell out of uh, them not knowing about it in advance, which is what they're proposing to do to the people that are, um, you know, that they're doing it to retroactively. I, my problem with you supporting this, Mark, is if you if you allow this to happen to the sex offenders, it's not going to be long before the lawmakers in Michigan or your state, because you can bet that there are other states doing this as well, that lawmakers are going to say, well, the sex offender GPS monitoring program's been such a success, you know, why don't we just do it with drug dealers and uh, muggers and murderers and anybody else that's ever spent time in prison? Heck, you know, I mean, they're paying for it. It's five bucks a day for the rest of their life. That's what it's going to cost these guys to be on the system. So the criminals are paying for it. It's not going to be a burden on the taxpayer except to set up the system originally. Let's expand it. Um, we're I, already doing it with the sex offenders. That's going to be their excuse. We're already doing the death penalty with the murderers. Um, have we been expanding that? Now, um, the <laughs> that's absurd, Mark. Nobody's what's absurd call about it? For a death penalty for some of these other crimes. Well, I then um, then why is it that we're going to accept uh, GPS tracking for uh, jaywalkers? I now, didn't say they were going to do it for jaywalkers. I, I'm only. I mean, you're the one who's making the ludicrous um, comparisons here. I don't here. think it's ludicrous at all to suggest they're going to expand this out. Well, not um, at all. You know, I don't know whether they're going to or not. I'm not saying I support that I even think it's a good idea, but I certainly think that it's a better idea um, giving it to okay. people that... you've made that point. I understand that. I just, I'm pointing out that if you support GPS tracking in any way, then you're supporting it for everybody, eventually. I don't support it. That's Okay, good. Let's go to the phones and talk to Luke in North Carolina. You're on the uh, amplifier line. Luke, hello. No, maybe this is Luke. Luke? No. Who is this? You're on Free Talk Live, unscreen call. This is Luke. It is Luke. All right. What's on your mind? Yes. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make a couple uh, comments. Um, you guys mentioned something about a law that prevents sex offenders uh, from living within a certain vicinity of schools and or parks. That's right. correct. There are laws like that on the books in a few different uh, cities. Now, is it living or actually being in the vicinity? Uh, it's definitely living in some cases. For instance, in this article about Michigan, if you are working or attending something in the vicinity, you have to let them know, but you are allowed to be there as long as you let them know that you're going to be there. Hmm. Okay, because I was going to say, you know, how would uh, keeping somebody from living somewhere just, you know, prevent them from getting in their car and just, you know, going there? No, right. it certainly doesn't. I mean, you know, it's... It's it's silly that um, you know somehow having me uh, live two thousand feet away from a park is going to keep me from um, dressing up like a bush and uh, waiting for little girls to run by. I mean, right? And, you but know, I, I don't really know. I mean, I would like to see statistics on you know how many uh, of these quote unquote sex offenders actually go and you know pick up uh, prepubescent children off of playgrounds and out of you know parks. I think it's remarkably more... low. Yeah, it's more, uh, you know, children that they actually, you know, have access to. Right. Um, um, chances are good that it's a child. Uncles, fathers, that's neighbors, thing. boyfriends. But I, I do, I do want to kind of disagree with you uh, um, on one thing. Yeah. Um, which um, the idea that you know after after you've quote unquote paid your debt to society, you know, you shouldn't have to deal with it anymore. Um, well, the you know, if it's a legitimate offense against a child. That child is never going to recover. So why should the criminal who committed the offense recover? You know, uh, I don't. I, that's just the way it seems to be appropriate to give somebody a chance to uh, to recuperate, to have their life back. 
I think if people want to ostracize that person for the rest of their life, then that's fine. But to put an anklet uh, on somebody, I think, is a chilling yeah, precedent, I, Luke. I totally agree that that. That is a bit extreme. Um, and I, I would say that, that um, it's somewhat disempowering to um, somebody who's been raped in their childhood for you to say that they're never going to recover. That's a good point. I mean, um, you <laughs> that, know, what if I, what if I was raped in my childhood? I wasn't. That, that's, that, that is an excellent point. I mean, I didn't, I didn't who really are you to say that, that I'm not recovered? Right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Luke, any other thoughts for us? Oh, uh, yeah. The only other thing was uh, you're always talking about this free market system and everything with you know, these, these rating companies and so forth. And if we had that, I think you would, you know, I think you, any sex offender would have a long-term, you know, bad rating because, yeah. you know, in, in the free market system that we have now, you can't even get rid of a bad credit rating, you know? so Well, you, you, can, know. you can after a period of time. Um, you right. know, a bankruptcy, I think it, by law, unfortunately, it goes away after seven years, um, but... You know, well, that's fine. In the market system, it's all based on volunteerism. It's all a system that you, you are essentially opting into. With a sex offender in that particular situation, first of all, the sex offender would know that if he or she was caught, they'd have to do more than just sit in a jail cell for a while. They'd have to make good, according to whatever the arbitrator said, was an appropriate payback to the individual that they had offended against. And therefore, they would know that if they, uh, you know, if they got caught, they would have to go ahead and actually pay some sort of form of cash payment uh, to the victim, which is currently something that sex offenders don't have to do, to my knowledge. And that actually right. may be a deterrent uh, to an extent uh, in regards to getting these guys to actually not commit the crime in the first place. I mean, place. can you imagine what it costs to go to um, to counseling and therapy right. if you're um, if you've been raped? And you know, if you have insur if you don't have insurance, um, first off, imagine what it's like. Um, and then you're you're paying you know every bit of counseling yourself. And then if you do have insurance, the insurance decides when you're ready and when you're not um, to quit going, not you. And therefore, um, you know, you never you're never going to get as much counseling as you feel you need based on the current system. And you're probably never going to have a perfect reputation rating ever again. But on the other side of that coin, if you are ordered to make payments to the individual that you offended against and you do make those payments on time, that's going to count towards your reputation. So somebody will be able to pull up your file, and they'll see that, well, you had a problem back when you were 18, but you're 40 now, and you've been paying uh, payments to this victim for the last 15 years. You know, you're probably an okay guy at that point. You've probably been reformed, and I think most people would, uh, at least I would, look at that with an open mind, and I hope, uh, I, th I hope some other people would as well. Luke, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. I just think it's a really scary precedent to start putting GPS tracking bracelets on people. And that's, you know, government expands these ideas. It goes to other areas. It may not be jaywalking for a long while, Mark, but I can definitely see it going to murder and other vicious Look, You wouldn't have crimes. any problem with it if it was your precious free market that wanted to put these GPS anklets on people. Because it's then not they would anklets. be voluntarily accepting It's that, not Mark. anklets, my friend. It's... Government, government that's your tracking, that's right, because if you voluntarily accept it in the free market, that's fine. That's your choice. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The packet 8 
Net toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. The Shrine of Female listeners included. I had one lady send a picture for the Shrine that I had to unfortunately send back an email and say, eh, can't accept this. It doesn't have a validation. Mm. And it, it, we do require a validated photo in order for a lady listener to be part of the Shrine of Female Listeners. And it's very simple. It just means that in the picture you have to prove that you're a listener to the show. So if you go to shrine.freetalklive.com and take a look at the existing photos, you'll see exactly what I mean by validation. And if it's validated, you'll get on the Shrine. So um, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and take a look at some of the ladies that are listeners of Free Talk Live. Does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Try SACL CAI. They do collections in a whole new way. SACL knows that um, the way they treat your customers reflects on you. They record every customer interaction, so you can track their work. Let SACL CAI handle any or all of your account's receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. SACL CAI. All right, let's talk about old people and medical care, Mark. What's going on? Uh, i got an article here from the Kansas City Star. Um, if you are elderly and chronically ill, the odds are better than one in five that you will die in a hospital. So 20% of elderly people die in a hospital. Okay. Spending time wired to the technology of an intensive care bed. The odds are better than one in three that you will see ten or more doctors in your last six months of life. And during those six months, you will run up doctor and hospital bills averaging $17,000. Hmm. That's this, not very much. $17,000, is yeah, it? for a hospital bill, that's like, what, a week in the hospital at most? This is far from the kind of care most people. This is, But this is on average for, um, for, three, uh, for one out of three people. Okay. This is far from the kind of care most people say that they want or the doctors say patients should get in their final days. Hmm. Um, Instead of being hooked up to an intensive to intensive care machinery, patients want to maintain control over their pain and symptoms. Instead of more medical procedures, they want to avoid prolonging the dying process. Instead of spending time with doctors, they want to be with their families and loved ones. So, do you understand that um, the difference between what's happening and what people want? So you're saying what's happening is they're getting hooked up to machines, they're living getting, longer than they want to live, living longer than they want to, prolonging suffering. And why is that happening? Why is that happening? Yeah. Because of this sort of weird philosophy on life here. You know, like so we have to keep this, you know, brain dead corpse alive as long as possible against uh, their wishes. But essentially, people, people, um, you know, what they say they want to have in their life mm-hmm. um, is that they don't want to be have their life prolonged by machines. Um, Who would? Right. Who would? They want to spend their their um, time, their last hours with their family and and loved ones in their homes, um, and the and different things are happening. So, so the allegation is that the uh, doctors are just throwing all this technology at people and uh, hooking them up to machines with maybe when they're delirious and trying to get their consent while they're a little bit nutso. Is that the idea? I don't know if it's doctors are um, there. There's a whole mess involved. Doctors are taught to do this because if they don't do it, they get malpractice suits against them. Okay. Um, so, you know, there's there's a problem with the court system that I don't have an explanation for um, that allows us to sue the heck out of doctors the way we do. I mean, these guys just have to continue to continually make, um, you know, expensive choices because if they don't, then they made a mistake. Do you understand? I see. Um, if, 
If Grandma would have lived three months longer, if you would have given her this procedure, why didn't you do it, Doctor? I'm going to have to sue you. Well, is it, I mean, I guess it goes back to the, was it the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm? Um, Maybe that, the, the allegation is that they're doing harm by not doing what they think they should do to, to extend the life? Well, I'm going to tell you a story um, after I get done with this uh, article, okay. um, or at least get a ways into the article. I don't think I'm going to go all the way through it. But, um, you know, it, there's, there's some responsibility to be taken here on the side of the patient. Very good. New data shows millions of elderly across the nation are getting needless and costly medical care as they reach the end of life. We're currently wasting huge amounts of resources that if patients had the information, they wouldn't want, said Dartmouth University researcher Elliot Fisher. Fisher said, um, Fisher and other Dartmouth researchers have spent years crunching Medicare data looking for patterns in how the nation's elderly are treated. Their newest study looks at end-of-life care provided, by, provided to 4.7 million patients with chronic conditions such as cancer, heart failure, lung disease, who were hospitalized during the final two years of their life. The figures cover um, 1999 through 2003. They found that the amount of medical attention patients received varied dramatically uh, by where they lived. In the last six hmm. months of life, a patient in Manhattan, New York, spent an average of 26 days in the hospital. A similar patient in the Salt Lake City spent nine. In Los Angeles, hmm. about 33% of patients spent time in intensive care during their final um, hospitalization. Minneapolis, 13. Interesting. I, Why is that? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Lower cost. Yeah. Medicare? Red, red state, blue state? Some sort know. of uh, some sort of program, government program, that encourages them to keep the, the people in the hospital longer so they can get more payouts? I've got no explanation for that. The quality okay. of care was at least as good in places that did not lavish patients with medical attention, um, Fisher said. This, uh, that suggests dying patients in many parts of the country are being over-hospitalized and over-treated. The Dartmouth researchers estimate that if all hospitals had provided end-of-life care as prudently as those in Salt Lake City, for example, Medicare would have saved $40 billion in those three years. Sounds to me like uh, you've got some hospital staff, some individuals that want to get payouts, and they know that Medicare or whatever insurance or whoever it is, uh, probably government programs, Mm -hmm. they probably know that uh, at this point in life they can elect to do whatever sort of life-extending technologies mm-hmm. on these people, fill out the government paperwork, and get the paycheck. These are just uh, procedures that they allow, um, that essentially is allowed for, by Medicare, so therefore they know that they can pad the bill by uh, putting these in. So right. they just and, do it to everybody who comes along. And they're probably as, more likely to do it in Los Angeles and New York, where there's additional government programs, government benefit programs. There's probably like a, you know, a New York City Medicare. There's probably a Los Angeles Medicare as well. So they're probably cashing in on both ends of the uh, the government coin. It's crazy. The financial incentives are really quite perverse, said uh, Myra Christopher, president of the Center for Practical Bioethics in Kansas City. The doctors and hospitals are paid more to perform medical procedures aimed at keeping patients alive than they are to provide um, palliative care designed to keep patients comfortable Paid As, by whom? Paid by Medicare or paid by the insurance companies? Because it would make more sense for Medicare both. than the insurance companies. Why would the insurance companies want to pay out on those things? They, the insurance companies would want to make sure that they pay the very bare minimum uh, to keep that individual in the condition that they need to be in. Well, I would imagine insurance companies would want to pay, pay the bare minimum no matter what. Right. Like they want to take in... Um, uh, Right, uh, they want to take in premiums, and they want to pay out nothing. Uh, this feels like more of a government problem than anything else, but go on. 
There's just no doubt that we've got it wrong, said Christopher. We can prolong death for, ex- death for extreme lengths of time and create nightmares with technology, nightmares that would keep many of us up at night. So she's talking about life, you know, prolonging, you know, turning people into zombies, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, basically, they go on and talk about health care and lots of numbers and all that um, that stuff. But what I'm thinking is this, remind, this reminds me of the incident where I went to the hospital um, on, you know, last week sometime. Okay. Um, I felt a pain in my arm, and I thought I might be having a heart attack. So I went to the hospital. Um, they put they they brought me in. Was it an unusual pain? I mean, like a searing hot pain or something? Because I get pains here and there. I don't think that I'm going to go to have a heart attack. Well, I had a. Was a, it a different pain than you've ever felt? I had never felt a pain like this before. It okay. was a weird aching in my uh, hmm. joints. Um, it felt like it was connected between my uh, okay. elbow and you know going in my pectoralis. So you went to the hospital. So I went to the hospital. Um, now the first thing they did was uh, you know they they asked me some questions, trying to discern whether or not I was actually having heart attack. They were uh, hooking as they were hooking me up to the EKG machine. Mm-hmm. The EKG machine, um, you know, the, one of the first things I said to the doctor is, "Hey, I've got to pay for all this myself. I don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. So um, please do not run every test in the book on me." I just want to find out whether or not I'm having a heart heart attack. And so, um, you know, basically that's what happened is I told him ahead of time, and then the doctor sort of had license to tell me what it is that he thought rather than what he had to do in order Ah, to procedure-wise. More on the way. You take control of the airwaves. Somebody's got a UFO conspiracy. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, completely free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff. Two different places for you to shop. There's the Free Talk Live store, where you can buy Free Talk Live branded merchandise, like hats and t-shirts and other cool products, at store.freetalklive.com. That is store. .freetalklive.com. Also, amazon.freetalklive.com is where you can shop and buy everything else you'll need in life. I mean, everything. They've got 35 categories of products, everything from books to office products to DVDs, electronics, uh, baby stuff, camping supplies. I mean, it's all there. Amazon.freetalklive.com. You shop there, and Free Talk Live gets a percentage of anything that you buy. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, Jason, in California, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, Jason, what's on your mind? Um, I wanted to. I'm, I'm a writer, and I do uh, research into you know certain topics that I find interesting. And uh, one of the topics I've always found interesting was UFOs. And now mm. I think that um, I found out what they really are. UFOs are the cover story for the government's nuclear aircraft propulsion program. In the 1940s, when people started seeing UFOs, is actually the same time that the U.S. government embarked on a program to power aircraft with nuclear reactors. Okay. And, in fact, uh, most sightings and most accidents, you know, when, when, you, when you look at them, they involve a radiation. And so why, you know, why posit that these are things coming from outer space? Uh, you know, it seems like it's, it's much more likely that, uh, you know, the explanation is, is right here down to Earth and that we're responsible. I think you're probably I think you're probably right about that. I, I, I would say, though, most sightings are hoaxes. Uh, you know, most videos, most photos that you see are usually just people looking for attention. Uh, but anybody that has a legitimate sighting, yeah, it's probably what you're suggesting, some sort well, of uh, test 
jet well, in or fact, rocket? The SR-71, I found out, is actually the plane that, uh, that we developed that uh, is responsible for most of the sightings. In fact, the SR-71 is a nuclear-powered aircraft. In fact, a lot of the times you don't see it with a third engine. In fact, well, sometimes you do, but they call it a drone. In, in actuality, what the SR-71 is is a turbo-ramjet-powered uh, space plane. Uh, the two engines on the sides are what are called turbo-ramjets, and then uh, there is a third motor in the middle, which is actually a nuclear rocket engine. Uh, it was developed under the rover program. Hmm. And, uh, in fact, we actually had a, uh, you know, a developed nuclear rocket engines for the space shuttle as well. Now, how and do we know that's, tr- that's so? I mean, I, I've, I've never heard anything like that before. Um, well, you, when you, I, I had to get a hold of a few government documents and timeline it out. But when you, when you take a look at the development of both the U-2 and the SR-71, and then you lay that over uh, the development of the nuclear aircraft propulsion program, you get you, you pick up the picture. And also, when the SR-71 was retired, uh, they buried a, a bunch of the SR-71s and the uh, U-2s really? in a 40-foot deep hole over in Area 51. And when that happened, a bunch of contractors that worked on the base started dying. Hmm. And uh, they started dying from radiation poisoning. Because, I mean, why would you bury a titanium, you know, made aircraft 40 feet underground and then and then on top of that, you know, what about the you know, pilots? Big mound. What about the, the the guys that flew it? I mean, wouldn't they also be suffering as well? No, they're, they're, they they didn't suffer and neither did the ground crew. The beautiful thing about the SR-71 is that it's actually the first Aspen. You can actually look this up at federationofamericanscientists.org. Um the Aspen is an aerospace plane with nuclear engines and the SR-71 was the first uh first you know, type of aircraft that was actually an Aspen. You know, it had the ability to fly into outer space. Actually, the the thing about the SR-71, it was a two-part program. There is a unmanned SR-71, and there is a and there's a manned SR-71. The unmanned SR-71 was called the Camel, or continuously airborne missile launcher and airborne you know uh, an airborne low attack uh, plane. Uh, roughly is what it uh, was what the acronym stands for and basically what the camel did is that it was in a 300 mile uh, nautical mile polar orbit constantly circling the earth and uh, the manned program mapped out and uh, found the targets that we would program the camel uh, to attack in the soviet union the soviets had no chance in fact you know there's just no way you've done a lot of research jason now now this may explain um, spaceships but it doesn't explain space men I mean, well, I think that uh, the spacemen, when you when you look at the early years of the program, were most likely uh, chimps and experimental, you know, animals like that that were being used. I mean, wait a minute, wait, wait. When you say the, spacemen, what are you talking about, Mark? You talking about alien abductions? Or yeah, what? I mean, well, the, the people that are there's there's those I, are just people looking for attention. Yeah, I understand that, but he's uh, claiming to explain UFOs, and there's a, a a large group of people out there that have quote unquote seen um, UFOs, and then there's a smaller group of them that have. Uh, Talk, you know, that have seen the spacemen, and there's a smaller group of them that have talked to them or had interactions, whether that's, you know, having their butt probed. I or think what... they're lying. Yeah, I, mean, they're, they're, I, I would up. too. I think that they're either lying or they're working for the government in order to cover up this program. Because the thing is, is that nuclear powered aircraft are actually illegal, are illegal under international treaty. We're not allowed to have them, and that's why the government's been covering them up, calling them UFOs. So let's say a nuclear powered SR 71 crashes, 
and uh, people, you know, die from radiation. You know, instead of admitting that, oh, we were we have the secret nuclear, you know, aircraft propulsion program, they say, oh no, you you were uh, kidnapped by UFOs, or you know, this is a you know third encounter, you know, something like that. And so this is a way for the government to get away with having this illegal program. Well, Jason, and interesting speculation, and thank you for sharing it with us. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I don't know how much of it's, uh, it's accurate, but he sure sounds like he's done a lot of research. He does sound like he's done a lot of research. I mean, uh, it's difficult to know. A lot of these planes, um, they, you know, they, the access to any kind of information is very limited, so sure. he's had to make a couple of jumps in logic, and when you have to make the jumps in logic is sometimes where I, you can jump wrong. I don't know about all the details about the nuclear devices and all that. That certainly seems, I don't know. I mean, that's up to him. He's, he's making allegations, and mm-hmm. that you can call and make allegations on the show. But I think he's right about the people confusing UFOs for experimental aircraft. I think that happens a lot. I think that uh, the basis of his original point, that's, uh, that's, that's correct. Yeah, um, we, it's either a hoax or somebody spotting something they just don't recognize. Because I, my, one of my favorite points on UFOs is, uh, I believe Lionel makes this point, is why do they have lights? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are super <laughs> extraterrestrial, intelligent beings that have figured out a way to transcend space and time, <laughs> but they still have to have headlights on their uh, on right. their aircraft. They got to be able to light you up and take a look at you. Right. Well, no, they don't. Hey, uh, we've got an email that has come in from an anonymous uh, individual. He says, uh, guys, I'm listening to your show and I need to email you. I would call in, but I don't want my voice recognized. I'm a sex offender in the state of Illinois. I served three years probation. I touched the breast of a 14-year-old in a sleepwalking state when she was sleeping over at my house in my daughter's room. Mm. I pled guilty because I couldn't afford a jury trial with expert testimony. I'll be on the sex offender registry for the rest of my life. Mm. My victim is fine and living a normal life. She's even still my daughter's friend. Most sex offenders are very young men, age 18 to 22, all who have had sex with their minor-aged girlfriends, 14 to 17. All of them that I met in group therapy were consensual relationships. Out of the 40 to 50 men in the therapy session that I or the sessions that I've met over the last 3 years, there were perhaps one Maybe two that were actual pedophiles, people interested in young kids, right? Well, I mean, he's also in a uh, uh, program for people, for pre- uh, sexual predators that, or sexual uh, offenders that are on the street, as opposed to right. a program for sexual offenders that are in prison. He, and he goes on to say that most pedophiles are kept in prison. I doubt that any one of the men that I met would kill a child, which is what everyone seems so worried about. A very, very small percentage of those convicted of sex offenses actually kill, and a small percentage are violent offenders. The laws regarding tracking of sex offenders are politically motivated and have nothing to do with protecting the public. Uh, Thanks for bringing this up on your program. I wanted to call you, but I want to remain anonymous. I'm the father of three children who were equally punished when I was, because he was on probation for three years. I'm a good person who made a mistake, which I couldn't even present a professional case to a jury because of lack of funds. Sincerely, Anonymous. So, sad story, and just one example of the many people that are affected by these sex offender laws that are victimized by the politicians who are just looking to get votes from people who think they're doing something to protect their children. When, as I pointed out time and time again, just because you force individuals who've been through the system to register and keep the go- uh, government up to date with their uh, location doesn't mean your kids are safe. The number one reason is because they haven't caught everybody. 
Because you never know. You may know that there's three sex offenders living in your neighborhood, but you don't know if the next door, the guy who lives next door who isn't listed on the list, who's never been caught for anything in his life, you don't know if he's got these desires as well. You don't know who the people are, the, the, the real predators who are slick, who have never been caught. The ones who are out there, those are the ones you really need to be concerned with, not with the ones that have been caught at one time and are now trying to make a better life for themselves. It's the ones that have yet to be picked up, and the sex offender system will never keep track of them. So the only way to deal with it is to keep your kids safe and to tell them not to go with strangers. Hour number three is on the way. You take control. It is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. As we kick off hour number three, Tuesday edition, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features at freetalklive.com are totally free, so do enjoy those. They are on us. So, Mark, I just stumbled across an example of a hit piece. A hit piece against a helpless plant. A plant that can't defend itself. It's just something that grows in the uh, the earth naturally in many many uh, warmer climates including Mexico. Uh-huh. And I'm just wanna, I just want to share this with you because it's just a really biased uh piece from 10wavy.com. 10 on your side as a warning for parents about an herb your kids may smoke to get high. It's called salvia and it's perfectly legal to buy even though some say it's as dangerous as LSD. It comes in a plastic disc about the size of a half dollar filled with a dried herb called purple sticky salvia. The package says it's incense, but teens say that's just a smoke screen. Quote, these are some quotes from teens. Mm -hmm. When you inhale it, it just makes you go to your own little world. It's just an eerie feeling. Sometimes you see people and wonder why they're there. When somebody's doing it, people are sitting around watching them do it because it's kind of like an event. The Norfolk teens who made these statements say they smoke purple salvia just for the fun of it. They even record their entertainment so they can laugh at it later. In fact, I've seen some videos of uh, people recording their uh, salvia trips. It's fairly amusing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, They're on YouTube and uh, Google Video and that sort of thing. But parents may not think it's funny. Users say it produces hallucinations similar to LSD. Salvia looks like a common garden plant. It's in the sage mint family and grows wild in Mexico. But it's very easy to come by here in Hampton Roads. You can get it online or even in some stores. We sent an undercover buyer into a Norfolk flea market where we found it. One of these discs costs us $35. Sounds like they got it uh, ripped off. But one teen, they, uh, one teen we talked to named David says he paid a friend just 8 bucks for one pinch. A cheap high. But one Suffolk doctor says users could pay a much higher price later. Uh, the drug is an escape drug, says Rick Brummett. And there, have been, uh, there haven't been many that haven't had some harmful effects to the body. He's an anesthesiologist, so he knows something about mind-altering drugs. Though I don't know what his evidence is. He certainly doesn't cite it. Uh, there have been people using this drug for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. The original purpose 
the original, how it came about into uh, popular use is from the Mexican, I believe the Osakan Indian tribe. Their shamans, their healers, if you will, would use this particular plant to go into a shaman state where they would, uh, you know, meet up with, I don't know, the bears, uh, the, the what, what is it, the, the, the animal versions of your person, your persona, you know, the, some Indians believe in that. I, your totem? I don't know. Yeah. You know, they'd go into their shaman state and do their shaman thing with the with this drug, and that's how it got popularized. So it's been being used for a long time, and to be fair, they do point out that it hasn't really been studied yet, and that, of course, is what scares the anesthesiologist the most. Uh, he says there may be there may still be a lot of information coming about this. He said he says the DEA is monitoring emergency room admissions, and he thinks that the feds will make it illegal someday. But while they collect this real life research. These teens could end up like lab rats. Several states have banned salvia sales, and several others are considering legislation. But it is legal in Virginia. Wavy News 10 did some additional digging and found out that Virginia does not classify salvia as an illegal drug, but the city of Norfolk does. Officials say it's a designer drug that imitates other illegal drugs. (laughs) Uh, A designer drug... I, I don't know if this is just... The officials not knowing what they're talking about? Yes. Or the reporter not knowing what he's hearing? Because a designer drug is a chemical that it that somebody creates. It's not something you can just go out and harvest a plant, right. th- see, shove it in a pipe and smoke it. A designer drug would have to have been designed. Yeah. And therefore, a plant that grows naturally can't be a designer drug. Especially a plant that grows wild yeah. can't be a designer drug. Not at all. You could, I guess, technically genetically modify the plant. But then at case. the very least, you'd be growing it in rows yeah. on your genetically malt, um, altered designer plant farm. You would not be picking it out in Mexico and selling it online. Yeah, so it's just this is just an article or a news story full of misinformation. Oh, though, by the way, the city does say they plan to investigate the vendor who sold us the salvia. Hmm. Yeah, that's right, because if you crack down on the guy at the flea market, that's really going to stop kids from uh, from getting their hands on this drug, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and if the feds make it illegal, that'll put an end to it all, won't it? Then people will really stop smoking salvia. Of course not. It would just be another prohibition on another drug, and it wouldn't do a darn thing except raise the price. In fact, it might actually drive more users to LSD. Yeah, just it's because, ridiculous. I mean, they, they make the, the comparison twice in this article. I mean, right there, the top of the article, the actual title is Purple Sticky Salvia, the next LSD. Well, salvia only lasts for five minutes. Hmm. Like the, the peak effects of salvia, maybe you're looking at a ten-minute long thing total. After you sort of on your come down and so everything. So when do you sort of recover? What do you mean recover? Well, well, you feel normal again. It's 10 minutes. Really? Yeah, 15 at most. Huh. Um, yeah, it's a very short-acting drug. And to compare it to LSD, you can really only compare the psychedelic, I guess, effects of the drug, not the actual length of time. If you take a hit of LSD, you're going to be tripping for four to, four to eight hours. It's a little more intense with LSD to, you know, <laughs> I, I understand. And therefore a little more dangerous. I mean, you know, right. something, plenty of things can happen between, uh, you know, minute one and minute uh, 90, um, right. you know, that would re- require you to be of a you know, sort of straight frame of mind. Whereas not as much can happen between minute one and minute seven 
um, that would require that to happen. Things can happen, to be fair. I mean, salvia is definitely a mind-altering drug. Sure. Uh, I've never gotten, I've tried it a few times, and I've never gotten to the point where some of these other people have. Like, if you go to arrowid.org, E-R-O-W-I-D.org, great site for real, honest drug information and people's uh, personal stories about using the drugs. If you go there and read some of the stories, it'll just blow your mind uh, what some people have experienced on Salvia. I have not experienced the shaman state yet. I have not experienced. There was one guy on video, at, I think it was Google Video, where he talks about how he's like fallen into his couch. Ma- major hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never gotten it, but uh, a lot of people have. And it's important. There are certain steps that you want to follow to be safe. If you're going to use this, and again, Free Talk Life understands that kids are going to use drugs, so we think it's important to give honest information to help them be safe while they do it, you want to have somebody there as a sitter. You don't want to do it alone, um, because there is a chance. I remember reading one story about a guy that uh, found it when he came to, he found himself climbing out his window wow. for the second story. Um, so, yeah, you are hallucinating. You are completely uh, not yourself at that particular point. And so it's important to have somebody else in the room there who isn't also smoking salvia at that moment um, so they can sort of just keep an eye on you to make sure that you just stay in your bed or stay on the couch and mm-hmm. and, and enjoy your experience and not go out and do something stupid or dangerous. And to the same extent, LSD, also similar recommendations are made. You want to have somebody there who um, will you know, keep an eye on the uh, the trippers and make sure that everything goes as smoothly as possible. But to suggest that salvia is anything like LSD, I think is really um, intellectually dishonest. It's not. It's a very short-term drug, and LSD is very long-term in comparison. And I think if you make salvia illegal, people are still going to use it, but I think it'll drive more people to LSD. Because if you start making comparisons, because what you're going to do, what you're going to see is more articles like this around the country as the feds, for instance, start, if they pass, uh, if they make salvia into a, a, a Schedule One drug, if they make it as illegal as LSD and marijuana and the other Schedule One drugs like cocaine, then there's going to be major news stories about it touting how this drug is like LSD and now it's illegal. Well, that's going to make some people interested in salvia, but it's also going to tell the salvia users, hey, if you haven't tried LSD yet, well, the feds think this is just as bad, so why don't you try that? Then you'll trip for four hours. And um, salvia has a unique selling proposition. It's legal. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do this and you know pay for it or whatever, and it's legal. Whereas um, you know once you take away that unique selling proposition, then what's competing with LSD? It's competing with LSD, and LSD has more value because you trip longer. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The future of drugs in America. Your thoughts about whatever's on your mind as well. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That is the Packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231 for all your voiceover IP needs, Packet8.net. You can join us on our website, by the way, freetalklive.com, the place to go. All the features there, completely free. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you for access to their website. Well, we give you an entire year's worth of archives right there on the front page of the site, for your download and convenience, completely free. So enjoy them at freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Well, if it's the war on drugs, register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers include Jack Cole, the Executive Director of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, as well as Rob Campia, Executive Director of the Marijuana Policy Project. 
and New Hampshire residents who are working to end the war on drugs. FreeStateProject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's FreeStateProject.org slash Liberty Forum. We were talking about Salvia, a legal drug for right now in most U.S. states. There it probably are doesn't have long. Yeah, there are a handful of states who have already passed laws against it, mm-hmm. and uh, the feds obviously considering passing laws against it, because we in the United States believe that if you pass a law, a problem just goes away. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't work that way at all. When you pass a law, it goes underground. The product or the service that people are voluntarily transacting in on their own just doesn't go away. It just gets more expensive. It becomes the product that uh, gang members are slinging around instead of legitimate businesses that have a you know a phone number and an address and some place that you can contact if there's a problem uh you know some somebody you could possibly bring a lawsuit against if uh, they rip you off or something like that no now it goes into the underworld now it goes into the uh, the land of gangs i mean imagine the difference between uh, the grocery store selling you a carrot and you know the pot dealer selling you a bag of marijuana who's liable here who would you want to purchase from? What's the atmosphere in which you'd like to make this transaction? This is what government getting involved in this, it, you know, these transactions results in. Yep, you talk about the atmosphere. It I mean, clearly doesn't result in less marijuana being purchased. Heck no, because it's the number one cash lo- crop. It's the number one cash crop. And, um, is, South would be number two if they make it illegal. It, that's what the, it's going to happen. Because nobody buy. I mean, uh, most people don't buy salvia. It's not a very highly consumed product amongst the drug-consuming population, but it's growing in in popularity specifically because of all the attention being brought towards it, because of all the hit pieces like we just read. Let's go to the phones and talk to Mark in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Mark. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Hey, uh, great. What's on your mind? Um, I was just listening to your last segment when you were talking about Salvia, and Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of research because, well, one of my biggest pet peeves is the drug war and anything legal that... You know, I can do safely. I'm all for. So I did a little searching on the internet, and I just happened to go to eBay and typed in the word Selvia, mm-hmm. and over 340 things popped up. Oh, sure, it's wow. easy to get your hands on. So you can get yeah. it right on eBay. Yep. Wow. Sure. Uh, there's websites out there that sell it. Uh, SalviaLight.com is one that uh, that I've done uh, business with. And I was just looking. What was that article saying? Something like thirty something for half an ounce, or a they little? They didn't. They didn't claim what the amount was. They just claimed that it was thirty-five dollars for a uh, a small little, I guess, uh, plastic disc that has the salvia wow. in it. I found an ounce here for under nine bucks. That's all. Oh, you're talking about the leaves. Okay, what we're talking Actually, this about was is for incense. Yeah, there's uh, there's different versions of salvia available. You can get the yeah. salvia leaf which is essentially just a leaf from the plant dried out, and you you can pack that in your bowl and smoke it. Or you can get the salvia, uh, the extract, which is where they essentially boil out, or they do some sort of process yep. to the leaf, to the dried That's leaf. They have that here, too. They what now? They have that here, too. Right, That's the, the hash, right? It's essentially the hash version yep. of salvia. You get 5X, 10X, 20X. There's even, I think, a 40X out there somewhere. Yeah. Wow. As though you could tell whether what the 1X versus the 5X versus the 40X looks like. Well, and from right, looking just, at a few sellers here, that looks like Missouri, uh, Delaware, Louisiana, they're not allowing it, or at least they won't ship it there. Mm-hmm. So there's a few places where you know people need to look elsewhere. Yep, that's true. Get a you know get a mailbox or get a friend in another state, have it shipped to him, and then uh, then you can ship it into yourself. There's plenty of ways to get around uh, to get around the law, and you can you can bet that people will do so 
uh, if they continue to pass more laws as they're expected to do when it comes to this drug. Now, have you ever actually tried it, or were you just looking around for uh, for information? Uh, I was looking a few places, so my online payments were a little iffy. I'm credit issue, so I went and looked for something that would do with PayPal, and eBay popped right up. There you go. So, well, Mark, uh, good luck, and uh, let us know what your experience is if you uh, actually give it a shot. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. It's See? amazing. I mean, you people right right there on eBay. Sure. Well, it's a legal product. It is a legal product. I mean, it's just it just goes to show you, oh, my goodness, this stuff's been around 100 years. Thousands. Thousands. Years. Well, it's been a long... It's a plant. It's, it's, a plant. it's been here. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I mean, apparently we're not all going to hell in a handbasket. No, nope. can you imagine that? You take control of the airwaves, it's you bring up whatever you want. the war on drugs that causes the popularity, it causes people to do it. That is what goes hand in hand with drug use. It's true. Let's go to the phones, talk to Eric in Texas. Eric, you can take control of the airwaves. What's on your mind? It's free talk. Hey, about. guys. Hey. Um, I've been doing some research, uh, casual research, not real heavy, uh, on the RIAA, just trying to figure out you know, their their main operating procedure. The Recording Industry Association of America? Right. Mm-hmm. And since you guys are in the radio industry, and, and Ian, I know you have a, a background in FM radio, I was hoping maybe you could give me some insight. Okay. Because uh, I'm, I'm familiar with payola, uh, which is uh, where they, back in the past, they would pay off stations to play certain songs more often than others. That's correct. So they obviously, with that, realize that more airtime equals more sales. I think so. Mm-hmm. That airtime is basically a that radio should be seen as a promotional vehicle. Correct. So then what is the don't, why don't they realize that ASCAP and BMI license just hurt them? Mm. Why I mean it seems like a complete conflict of interest there. Well, I, I don't understand. Maybe it's just, just an old way of doing business, and they just have yet to figure out that letting people use their product is, is a good thing. I think they feel like they can benefit by having the law on their side. That way, if there's a, a restaurant or a bar or something that's performing their music without permission, they can sue them and uh, and get some cash settlements or get some payments that way. Maybe they maybe they just view it as a way to uh, to make a little bit of extra money on the people that uh, that violate the law. Well, I mean, that's where I'm confused. I mean, obviously, if with the with payola, they realized that it was good promotion, and it's just like they want to determine where their stuff is promoted, or maybe it's uh, maybe it has to do with the fact that radio stations might have identified the music, uh, maybe identified the song as opposed to just playing it in a bar or something like I that. I don't know. I can't explain it entirely, but I can tell you that um, writers receive money every single time their songs played on the radio somewhere in the world. So um, I know you, you got to follow the money. I can't tell you exactly, but maybe they just can't negotiate it out of the contracts because um, you know songwriters realize, hey, this is the only way I'm ever going to make any money. Huh. Or you know maybe you know they they may not realize, but they they but decide that that's. You bring up a good point, nonetheless, and I think it's uh, I think it's important, and I think that the RIAA is going to be uh, they're in their death throes. I mean they're ju- they're trying to keep their old school business model alive by threatening a bunch of lawsuits on other people, and eventually technology is just going to get to the point where the RIAA is completely useless. And I hope more artists start stepping away from the old methods of distribution 
and uh, move into the 21st century and connect directly with their listeners. And thank you for the call. We appreciate it. More on the way you take control of the airwaves. It is your show, Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The wiki is there, over 900 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. So head over there, wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Is there a young person that's important to you? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams. The key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's 1-800-657-5066. There you go. Kidsjourney.com. Our number is 800-259-9231. There's a story uh, in the news, I guess, Declan McCullough at CNET is reporting it, about a wireless hacker who's been sentenced to 15 months in prison after his Google searches were used as evidence uh, evidence against him. Now, they're claiming that he's a hacker, but I don't know if that's really the case. The case, as I understand it, is an example of what a lot of people do on a regular basis, and I think they do it without even knowing they're violating the law. What they do is they log into unsecured Wi-Fi, unsecured wireless Internet access. Right. For instance, when you go and you buy yourself a brand new router and you plug it in, you uh, essentially you... Most people don't configure it. They don't know better. They don't read the instructions or whatever. Uh, They don't comprehend the instructions if they do read them. And so they leave their wireless router completely unconfigured. If you plug stuff into it, if you just turn that thing on and do a very bare minimum of configuration, it'll work. Yep. So most people get it to the point of operation. Yes, Yes, operational. I have my Internet access. That's all that matters to them. Now, unfortunately... So can everyone else. Mm-hmm. If you don't secure your wireless router, then anybody who's sitting out in front of your house in their car or their van or whatever, sitting there on their laptop, can get access to your Internet, uh, to your connection. And they could also get access to any shared folders you may have on your local uh, your local network as well. So there are good reasons to secure your wireless network. However, the question becomes, if somebody doesn't take the steps... That, that are necessary to secure their wireless network, should it be illegal for someone to utilize said wireless network? Because that's what this guy is serving time in prison for. I don't think so. You say it should not be illegal? No. I mean, if you leave, if you, if you leave your front door open and somebody wanders on in and takes a look around, no. Now, if they come in and they take some stuff out of your house... Yeah, but he didn't take anything from these people. No, he didn't. But he did take Internet access. He used the Internet he access. Did. But, I mean, I just I just don't see that that's... 
No. There's a per- there's a certain point at which he could have abused the internet access, but most people who log into wireless networks are doing it because they're away from home and they want to check their email or they need to download something or there's something that they need to get done online. For instance, you sit at an airport, you'll use their wireless network to get some emails checked or get online and and surf around or whatever. You're not doing it uh, to to maliciously harm the network owner. You're doing it to simply get online. That's what I would say probably 99% of people that access wireless networks are doing. They're just getting online. There is a chance that you could get on there and suck up all his bandwidth. You could get on there and run a bunch of bandwidth tests and you know completely wipe out their bandwidth for a little while. And then the person sitting inside the house, if there was someone home at the time, on their computer might notice that their internet connection was slowing down. They might wonder what's going on if they weren't aware that, for instance, you were sitting out in front of their house on their internet connection. Or in some cases, some neighbors get on other neighbors' internet connections. You know, they may not want to pay for the access. And so the argument could be made, Mark, that you're stealing from that individual. That that individual's paying $50 a month for internet access, and you aren't paying a dime. It's a you're... fixed cost. Um, they're paying $50 a month in internet uh access, whether or not I'm on their, their line, and um, that person has, you know, opened up boing, um, their, uh, you know, little radio waves for anybody who wants to. They know the argument really can't be made. Now, the argument might be made by Internet service providers that want you to pay to their um, for, you know, service individually every single time. Could very well be, and I, I do agree with you. I was just pointing out what some people would say about this. Um, Yes, if you open up your wireless internet and you don't secure it, if it's completely unsecured, as far as I'm concerned, that's like throwing – it's like an open house. It's like throwing open the welcome mat, swinging your front door wide open and inviting people to come in and browse around. That's what you're – that's the digital version of what you're doing. You're throwing out a digital welcome mat because your uh, wireless router at all times is broadcasting an ID that says, here I am, here I am. And so anybody with a wireless card will be able to pick that up, and if it's unsecured, log in and check their email. What's wrong with that? Do we really need to be putting people in prison over this? Because that's what's going on now. And I don't understand how people can get caught for this. I mean, I think probably for the most part, you'll get in and get out, and nobody will ever know that you were there. Oh, yeah. In most states, I believe this this is illegal, as I understand it. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's for the reason that you suggested. Maybe because the Internet service providers have, have lobbied. Uh, lobbied for it. Mm-hmm. It's always the big guys and can afford to. So I wonder about that. You know, like, what if it would it still be illegal? Like, what if I made my ID code? There's this, this thing called the SSID that your wireless Internet um, router will broadcast, mm-hmm. and you can change it usually. Most of the time, it's the de- defaults to the name of your the router, the company that makes the router. Right. So Linksys, so Linksys. or, or uh, Netgear. You can change it to whatever you want. So what if I change it to come on in? You know, does that essentially make it so that anybody uh, that gets on my wireless router is no longer violating the law? Or is it uh, the law applies to every single wireless router that's unsecured? Well, what if what if you make um, uh, the name your router, the password to this router is, <laughs> uh, you know, colon, and then yeah. you put the, uh, the the password there. And then they um, so therefore they type in the password in order to get online. So I could understand that if somebody was getting into your router and doing malicious things, 
you know, breaking into your computer or de- deleting files, damaging you, then you'd have something. I think then you'd have a property rights violation. There'd sure. be a problem there. But if you're just broadcasting your uh, wireless Internet, regardless of whether you know it or not, because just because you're ignorant of the technology you're using at your household right. should not make it so I'm responsible because I knew that I could take advantage of your ignorance. There's some consequences to using technology. You know, if you're ignorant to how a pistol works, it might just kill you. You're not harming anybody by checking your email or surfing the web on somebody's wireless connection. And as bandwidth continues to increase, as it is... Because if you've got two companies in your area, you've got, a say, a vo- phone DSL provider mm-hmm. and a cable company, you'll notice that over time, they'll continue to one-up one another. That's what happened when where we came from, and I'm hoping it'll happen here in Keene, where we currently are sometime soon, is one provider will say, hmm, so-and-so across the street is getting too many customers. Let's up our bandwidth. So they'll double their downstream. They'll double it from 2 megabits to 4 megabits a second. Um, which is what it is around here. It's like 4.5 on Time Warner. Uh, Verizon's got it at, I think, 3 megabits per second. Now, That's Verizon, pretty big. Verizon is a little bit slower on the downside, but Verizon's twice as fast on the upside. So there's competition here. And over time, the bandwidth is going to get even bigger. So even if they're just surfing the web on your Internet connection, you'll never know it. It's not going to uh, be a detriment to your Internet connection. At some point or another, it's the websites that are slowing it down. Usually, I think yeah. it's your computer that's probably, um, in some cases, the computer. You've got a lot of spyware and stuff on your computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely going to slow you down. So as long as there's nothing malicious going on, I don't see why this needs to be illegal. But if you think that it should, I'd like to hear from you. Maybe there's something we're missing. 800-259-9231. Should it be against the law? Should this guy have 15 months in prison because he logged into somebody's wireless Internet access? 800-259-9231. On the way, we're going to talk about coin melting. I thought it was old news, but Mark, you're saying there's something fresh to talk about here. So we'll discover uh, why the feds have apparently made it a crime to melt down pennies. You take control of the airwaves. Even in these remaining moments, it is your show. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain in this, the Tuesday edition. Just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231 is the packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features. We do give them away for you for free. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you for access to their website. It's all for free. But we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 300 of our listeners have done. Uh, you can get on board for as little as 3 bucks a month. It's a totally voluntary option. It's above and beyond all the free stuff that we give you. It's essentially just a way for you to register your appreciation for the show and to help us out, to help promote Free Talk Live, to get us on more radio stations around the country, to get more people listening online. It's working, and all it is is 3 bucks a month. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about it and to learn about the perks that you'll get your hands on. Also, uh, there's another sort of voting, sort of rating system that we're participating in now. And I just want to take a moment out to promote it, because we need to be doing better than we currently are. It's dig, D-I-G-G dot com. Mm-hmm. That is a, it's a very popular website on the Internet, especially with the younger generation. And it does tend to have a kind of a heavy tech skew to it. So kind of like the techie geek types are more interested than others. But there are different categories on this website. And uh, what they've done recently is they've started a podcast section on Dig, and they've categorized the podcast as mm. well. Um, we're getting trounced 
at Dig. Like on Podcast Alley, we're number two in the world, but on Dig, we're just we're wiped out. If you look at the news section, we're number two under the news section, but compared to the technology podcasts, we're just getting our butt kicked. And uh, so what we need you to do is go to dig.freetalklive.com. That's dig.freetalklive.com and dig up Free Talk Live. It's, it's easy. You just go. You get registered for Dig. It's free. It's a free account. That'll probably take you a minute or so to get registered. And then you click the Dig It button on the Free Talk Live podcast. And our dig count will go up. We're currently in the 200 range. This isn't a once a month thing. This is a one time only. You dig it once and you're done. So once you go to dig.freetalklive.com, you don't have to go back. It's easy. And it helps us out because it'll help continue to propel us up in their ranking systems. And more people will find the show as a result of that. So dig.freetalklive.com. Let's talk about money, Mark. Uh, coinage. Yeah, I'd like to see if I can get through this. Um, on December the 13th, the United States Mint officials said they were making it illegal to melt pennies and nickels and to take a large amount of the coins outside the country. Under the new law, anyone convicted of melting the coins or leaving the country with more than $5 in pennies and nickels oh my or shipping more than $100 worth would be punished with five years in prison and or a fine of up to $10,000. Holy crap, I didn't realize it was that serious. Can't move your coin collection out of the country now, folks. Wow. Why the drastic st- steps? We are taking this action because the nation needs its coinage for commerce, said sta- um, you know, s- uh, stated Mint Director Edmund Moy. We don't want to see our pennies and nickels melted down so a few individuals can take advantage of the American taxpayer. Because of um, current zinc, copper, and nickel prices, pennies and nickels are, um, cost the Mint far more than uh, the coins are worth. <laughs> for example, as, the, uh, as of December the 13th, um, announcement God. pennies were approximately 1.12 cents. Cent- to manufacture. That's to, um, that, no, no. They're worth 1.12 cents in metal. Ah. Nickels similarly were 6.9 cents in metal. That's 39.8 percent, almost 40 percent above their value. Mm. They ca- they're worth more than their, you know, um, than than the face value. Right. So for obvious reasons, when the metal value of a coin exceeds its face value, it makes people wonder if they could make money by selling the coins as scrap metal. According to the Associated Press, when all, pro- um, when all production costs are taken into account, the U.S. Mint now spends 1.7 cents to produce each penny <laughs> and 8.34 cents to produce each nickel. Wow. You know, in a marketplace, this would never happen. Never happen. It's uh, not fiscally possible. No. Only a monopolistic organization like the government can pull this sort of thing off. No, so... I and mean, the only way they can do it is by continually passing laws to restrict your behavior. This, You know what this points out, Mark, is that you don't own your coinage. You thought you owned your coin collection, but oh no, if you try to take it outside of the country, you'll all of a sudden discover differently. Or melt it down. Right. And uh, the other thing this points out is that uh, collecting oh, silver dollars and, and uh, you know gold coins and all that stuff doesn't make nearly as much sense as collecting pennies and nickels. Mm. These things, immediate return on them. Um, anyhow... Therefore, since the Mint produced approximately 7.86 billion pennies and 1.42 billion nickels between January and November, the U.S. Mint itself, by making pennies and nickels that were worth less than their face value, actually cost taxpayers roughly $105 million in just the last 11 months. Wow. Tellingly, there are alternatives um, the Mint could have employed that would have mitigated these costs and inhibited the cha- um, exchange of paper money for coinage at banks for the purpose of melting. Instead, well, before before they go, I don't know if they go into the alternatives, but the real alternative 
and the the thing that really would have prevented this from happening is if the Federal Reserve System was never created. Because it's inflation that is making this happen. And yeah. to an extent, the marketplace and the price of uh, of copper and all the other the metals that go into the coins. But think about it. This never would have happened in 1910. No. Um, because once the Federal Reserve System was put in place and the federal government was able to turn on the printing press and print out as much money as they wanted to, that essentially made it so the the value of money consistently dropped and so, therefore, you continue to see prices rise, and that's why the price of manufacturing pennies and nickels has now risen beyond the value of the coin, the, the stamped value on the coins. It's because of inflation. The government created this situation. As with so many government programs, the government creates the problem in the first place and then believes it can fix the problem by, by making passing law. more laws. Yeah, another law. One alternative would would have been to stop producing pennies and nickels altogether, thereby stopping any potential coin melting uh, by saving the men tens of millions of dollars in production costs. And many other countries have done just that. Instead of using small coinage, they just round up uh, or down in any transaction. A second option uh, many other countries have effectively employed is changing the metal content of coins by replacing the costly copper, nickel, and zinc with steel, tan, or some other less expensive alloy. We did that during World War II with pennies. Yeah. So why the heck aren't they doing that? Um, well, who cares? Because they're idiot uh, They don't have to. No, I mean, they don't. It's, they've got a bunch of money, and they can do whatever they want it's, with it's, it. Yeah, they could just spend our money as they, as they wish. So why would the Mint go through all the trouble of minting pennies and nickels that cost taxpayers millions of dollars and cost businesses millions of man hours by forcing them to count, package, roll, transport the coins, and then spend the time and effort to draft laws prohibiting people from melting down and transporting them when other efficient solutions would have uh, done away with the possibility of people choosing to break the law by melting coins mm -hmm. anyway? The foremost reason is that when nations choose to eliminate their smaller coinage or degrade the metal content in their coinage, it is commonly a telltale sign of the currency's devaluation. <laughs> to discontinue production or shift metal content would be a blatant admonition of the loss of purchasing power of the dollar. Yes. And it's beneficial to hide this so as not to damage the dollar's reputation, even if it means losing millions in minting costs. Mm -hmm. That's, after all, it's not their money. Right. Who Currently, cares? the dollar's position as the world's reserve current currency is very precarious. It is indeed. Several central banks around the world, including Russia's, Sweden's, and Qatar's, have announced that they're reducing dollar holdings. Most recently, even China has indicated that it will reduce dollar holdings. I don't blame them. The fact that pennies and nickels are now worth more for their uh, metal content than their one cent and five cent face value is indisputable proof of how much value the dollar has lost since its founding. Yep. This is not good news for the U.S. dollar, um, whose reserve currency status is largely built upon confidence that will remain a stable <laughs> store of wealth. If the dollar continues to fall, so will international confidence in the dollar. The loss of the dollar's reserve currency status will be a disaster for the U.S., and the fact that the, U that the government is hiding how much value the dollar has lost shows the seriousness of the threat. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't, underst I don't know enough about the world reserve um, currency status that the dollar has. I don't really understand that very mm -hmm. well, but I can tell you that um, I, I, I believe this. I know that, th that they state that it's the world reserve currency and that it's becoming worth less and less over time sure and i do know that, that there are countries you know that are you know getting getting rid of their um, stores of dollars and i know that can't be good no it's not good and i, I believe wayne explained uh, to an extent why it's bad last week and i'm sure you can ask him again for more detail if he's if he comes in tomorrow but 
Yeah, it's it's not good at all um, because it shows that the world isn't confident in the dollar. And if the world isn't confident in the dollar, it's only going to be a matter of time before Americans themselves lose confidence in the dollar. Sure. And as you pointed out, it's all based on confidence. There hasn't been silver backing for dollars in the, the longest time not, since not the even, 1930s. Well, 60s, even if it was in international uh, you know, uh, status. But still, I mean, yeah, just not there. It's just bad news, and these other countries can see the writing on the wall. They can see how fiscally irresponsible the United States politicians are being. And it's all their fault, Mark. All of it. I mean, from the creation of the Federal Reserve to the uh, insane fiscal policies of uh, this government today, the debts, the deficits, all of it all factors in. And one of these days, we're going to pay the piper. One of these days, something really bad could very well happen to the monetary system here. Scare it's me. happened elsewhere. There's no reason why it can happen to the good old USA. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.